When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, it's not, it's not often, but it does happen once in a while when my worlds sort of collide. In other words, I'm as a lifelong hobbyist, my uh, hobbyist world collides with my professional world as an aquatics industry person. And I think this is kind of funny. I see it as part of my responsibility to you, our community, to inspire and to give you ideas for how to incorporate all sorts of different facets of natural aquatic habitats into your aquariums. Now, like most of you, hardly a day goes by when some weird idea doesn't pop into my head and I'm constantly looking at images and videos and researching facts about interesting aspects of wild aquatic habitats that would perhaps take us out of our collective comfort zones when we create our next aquarium. So that's cool, but here's what's funny. As I mentioned a bunch of times, I'm one of those aquarists who likes to set up a tank and just let it run indefinitely. I really hate like messing with stuff, which is great for my personal hobby practice. Yet as an industry person who really does want to inspire my fellow fish geeks, that being you, with as many new ideas as possible, I realize it's necessary to move faster and show more looks to what's really a glowing, uh, growing global audience that we have here. And of course, what does that mean? It means setting up more tanks, more often. And since I only have so much time, space, and resources, I can only set up so many at one time. And again, add to this mix the fact that I am a firm believer in allowing, particularly botanical-style aquariums, that runway they need to establish themselves and evolve into more mature microcosms. And the speed at which new stuff rolls out is, by necessity, slower. And we have a little interesting dichotomy here, isn't it? So what's the solution? Well, for one thing, it's more freaking tanks in our office and, of course, at home. Well, that's kind of cool, actually. So, yeah. But while following my prime directive of letting tanks run for a while, I still find myself getting ready to play with more and more ideas in more and more aquariums. Now, again, this is hardly a bad thing for a lifelong fish geek. I have a strong inner voice and mindset. You know, however, accomplishing more looks more often also necessitates a sort of compromise. Mm, creating a schedule of establishing tanks, letting them run and then breaking them down and doing new ones on a more regular, more frequent basis. Sort of like a farmer rotating crops, I suppose. Now, we have all sorts of ideas of our own to run with, and we will. Um, The other day, uh, my crew and I discussed no less than eight different concepts that you're going to probably see take shape over the next few months, which is crazy, right? Um, Or at least that's a crazy pace for me. I think that I'd also like to see what kind of things you'd like to see from us. And oh yeah, you'll see a reef tank in there at some point in late 2020, I think. But of course, it'll be a little bit different. None of that cliche stuff. Uh, I want to put out some new ideas. I want you to to also give me some ideas that you think you'd like to see us do. Is there some interesting niche that you'd like to see us play with? Some habitat or environment that needs some love or one that would just fit our area of expertise or practice, our style? Okay. I don't suggest like a hot spring biotope for pupfish or something 
ridiculous like that. Not that I haven't actually thought of that myself, but come on, let's think of something uh, interesting. I'm certainly open to some suggestions. Now, what's funny is even though I have all these ideas for executing all these cool tanks and all these thoughts about helping inspire everybody, I have a really real affliction in which I have to fight off a voice in my head which says to me sometimes, you're not that good, Felman. Now, I don't think I'm a lousy aquascaper, mind you. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I can turn them out occasionally. I might hit on a few points I wanted, but historically, I'm my own worst enemy. I'll often do something that sort of sabotages a great idea by, you know, making one more tweak, moving one more rock, adjusting that, that branch, whatever. And I just can't nail every single one like so many of the really great aquascapers can. Now, do I care about that? Yes and no. I mean, I like to look at aquascapes. I love to play with them. I love to talk about the concepts behind them. But I feel I'm just not that all-time great at executing them. However, I don't let them handy, those, those ideas handicap me like they used to for years. It's actually not a big deal. And I don't think it should be for you either. I've learned to be proud of everything I do, to give them my best and be humble. Well, usually. And it feels pretty good about sharing and contributing to the hobby in some small way. This was a big hobby sort of life revelation for me, just doing stuff and not worrying about what everybody thinks. And I think there is a lesson in here that we can all benefit from. Of course, I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal just because it's super quiet inside my head. No, no, no. I bring this up because not only am I about to embark on some more scaping work, and as I just mentioned, you know, that takes me outside of my personal comfort area, but I've also received a few curiously timed emails from those of you out in our community expressing a sort of dismay over what some of you feel are your lack of skills or whatever. And I, and I hate hearing that. We all have skills and we shouldn't beat ourselves up. Yet there are a few takeaways from some of the pros in the hobby that we could probably utilize in our own work. Ideas that might even instill a bit more confidence if you're maybe down on yourself lately. Let's just uh, re- revisit them again one more time, okay? Now, again, I seriously stand in awe of some of these guys and like George Farmer, Johnny Ciotti, Corey Hopkins, Jeff Sensky, Luis Navarro. These people have serious game and they have this ability to take the idea that they have floating around in their heads at any given moment and take it into reality, as well as the seemingly otherworldly idea or, or excuse me, ability to like see the completed scape as they work. That's crazy and cool. Um, but they'll be the first to tell you that they're not some kind of ninjas. They just work at it. They gain confidence from doing, and they learn from their mistakes. And they'll tell you they make plenty. And they innately know one thing. They know when to stop, to let the skate breathe a bit. We'll come back to that point in a bit. I think that's something really important that we should all think about. You ask some of these guys, they'll literally tell you that the components that they're using, the rock, the wood, the plants, they sort of talk to them. And they listen. They have this ability to visualize and execute where something should go, about how it should be placed and how much of it, because they evaluate just about every kind of contribution a certain element will make to the overall design. They don't fight it. They listen. Shit, that's deep, isn't it? Yeah, it's deep. (laughs) But they'll tell you we can all do this. We all have the ability. And when you really think about it, they're right. We all can. Now, some people have different training or backgrounds, which you might think gives them certain advantages over a guy like me, for example. Some people have a background in design and art. They understand ratios and stuff. 
But you know what? They almost never tell you that these things, these skills are the main reason they're good at what they do. Rather, they'll tell you it's because they've developed an innate understanding of the process and the ability to heed an inner voice that they have in their head. These guys, like all aquascapers, you and I included, are really deep, very philosophical. You can have amazing, awesome conversations with them. Um, In our podcast version of The Tint, I've had some discussions with some of these guys that could have easily stretched into hours just on the philosophical ramifications of aquascaping. The main differences between them and us, if you will, is that these guys listen really intently to that inner voice. They don't fight it off. We all have this ability. Again, we just need to overcome a few tendencies, in my opinion. We all have greatness within ourselves. That's an absolute fact. Over the years, I've learned a few things about the mindset of the majority of aquascapers, which seem to come up all the time. And in recently, in these emails I've been receiving from people, this kind of comes true again. They are this, the following. We are typically our own worst critics. We just are. We love to say, ah, I'm not that good. We tend to place too much value on what other people think of our efforts. That's a huge one, and that's a handicap of it in any endeavor, but in aquariums especially, where everybody's an armchair critic, we can't let that get to us. Another thing that's kind of interesting too is we all are, are almost never finished with escape. We keep going when it's done or it looks like it's done. That's a kind of a thing that we have to learn to overcome. And, our, and the other point is our work is almost always better than we think it is. Honestly, I think I'm spot on with these points. I really do. Don't believe me? Check out almost any forum where someone's showing off their latest work. It's almost guaranteed that you'll see the creator, you know, sort of preface her work with stuff like, I know it needs some work, but, or, you know, please be gentle, it's my first effort, or I just can't seem to get my rocks as ranged as good as, insert favorite aquascaper here, can. Oh, sure, every once in a while you'll see a comment like, ah, I'm pretty happy with this one, I think I nailed it, and that's cool, it's beautiful. Yet in the aquascaping world, that seems to be the exception rather than the rule. I think we're all too damn self-critical, too damn modest even. Not everyone, of course, but many of us. And look, I'm not espousing that you go on Facebook with a pic of your tank and proclaim to the world that you're the second freaking coming of Takashi Amano. <laughs> no, arrogance is never fashionable. What I am espousing is that you take a second to just realize that you're pretty damn good at this stuff. Like, really damn good. Especially when it comes to this botanical style stuff. Working in tune with nature... I mean, the work you're turning out, the work you're sharing with us is pretty incredible. Believe it or not, and I think that all my A-list aquascaping friends would vouch for me here, every single aquascape that's put out in the world has amazing merits that actually inspire everyone. Really. Ask your local aquascaping superstar. They'll tell you that they can glean something from every single scape they look at. Whether it's a brilliant placement of a branch, a use of a color or a texture that they simply hadn't seen before, or even just occasionally... A reinforcement of what they don't want to do and why they don't want to do something in a certain way. And that's okay too. The key is they get something out of every single scape they see. Yeah, nothing's ever wasted when you share in the aquarium world. I say this constantly, don't I? A tank can always serve as an example of what not to do for someone. And again, notice I said for someone, and that's not a negative either. Maybe the other person realizes after seeing your scape that she really doesn't like using leaves and seed pods in her tank. It's just not her jam. That's a huge win for her and for the hobby, which will benefit from her sharing a pure version of her. A real win. Why? 
Well, because every scape has its merits and should satisfy the one person who really counts, its creator. And perhaps most important, we can't be afraid to put ourselves out there for fear of some anonymous critic taking us down. Just don't let that happen, please. It's complete bullshit to let that happen. Hell, the reason I write these blogs and share my podcasts every single day is because I believe in what I'm doing and I feel good about sharing it with others. Maybe inspiring a few people along the way, at the very least entertaining them. And you know what? It sounds harsh, but I'm going to say it. I really don't give a blank what everyone thinks. You know, if somebody has a criticism or whatever, I put out what feels good, what's honest, and it's what's a reflection of me. I think that's really important. It works. It took me a long time to get there, but it really works well. And I think behind the philosophy, I've been able to zero in on what I feel is the most important technical lesson to learn about aquascaping and aquariums too. Did you see my earlier point about not being finished with our scapes? It's a tough one to overcome, I admit it. I used to have this problem, always needed to place one more rock, one more iteration of the finishing piece of wood, one last plant or seed pot or whatever. It's hard to stop sometimes. I had to battle myself. I couldn't stop iterating or more colloquially tweaking the goddamn thing. Just had to keep working on it. Now, part of this was probably this tug of war in my head that said, it, it's good, just stop. And, ooh, if you move that rock over a few more inches, whoa. Yet, that was a distraction for sure. And there's always distractions in our head when we execute our escapes and aquariums, regardless of if they're top of mind or just occupying a space somewhere in our heads. And I think another one of those distractions that we all experience is that uh, we see all these cool scapes online in pictures and from competitions and so forth. And they're, they're all actually evolved or finished products, either ones which are the result of many iterations by the, you know, the creator or ones that are long established, which a human started and then nature took over. Yet we don't see that from the pics. We don't see the struggle, the work. We see this finished product and we think to ourselves, keep going. Sometimes it's actually better to tell ourselves, walk away. I know that my best aquascapes have always come from a place of being done. Whether or not the scape could have used one more piece is not the point. The point is to put yourself in a state of mind that says, okay, let it breathe a bit. Bring life to it as it is. See how it goes. Let nature take a run at it. Rather than the more common, if I just tweak the direction of that stone a little bit to the left, let it breathe a bit. Restraint, like effort, is really important. Yet it's often overlooked in our quest to seek perfection. It's noble, but it's actually a form of self-sabotage, in my opinion. We need to learn to walk away, to know when to say when. The realization that the very best aquascapes are the ones that start with a solid foundation of a good design but require some time, some growth, and other natural processes to allow them to reach their full potential. This is a huge thing, especially in our little specialty niche of the hobby, isn't it? Nature has been doing this thing for billions of years. Our intervention might be appreciated, but it's seldom necessary when it comes to aquascaping. Really. The botanical style systems that we love so much here are the absolute embodiment of this. As soon as we finish, nature takes the reins and completes the job. Yes, nature does a lot of the real heavy lifting in our world. What we have to do is set the stage, giving nature a platform to work with. We're getting this, and it's leading to really interesting things, isn't it? I think we're now starting to see a more realistic interpretation of nature in our aquariums than ever before. A desire to represent nature as it really is, not just as we idealize it. This, in my opinion, has sort of leveled the playing field, as they say, just a bit. 
I believe that it's entirely possible for a so-called average aquascaper, I know I hate using that word, but typical person, with a work ethic, a deep understanding of his or her subject, access to the proper materials, and a prototype in mind, to just create a scape that both inspires and enthralls while working with nature to the fullest extent possible. The rise of what I call the soulscaper, uh, take that from surfing, a hobbyist who sees the world as it is and brings it to life accordingly, will add just another element of achievement to the state of the art of aquascaping. I think that once contest judges and those who seem to be the guardians of style in the aquascaping contest world recognize that interpreting nature realistically and letting it breathe requires as much talent and work as it does to create some fanciful, highly stylized take on the natural world, then we'll start seeing the next evolution in aquascaping. Now, let me let me you know, back up a bit. I'm not talking about these militant, 100% authentically biotope perfect aquariums in which every twig, every rock, every leaf, everything has to be exactly as it would be in a certain area in nature. No, 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 no. I'm talking about systems that represent the natural world, both functionally and aesthetically, without the obsession that every stick or grain of sand be absolutely tied to a specific locale that we're representing here. And the result is that everyone will win. And most important, the natural world wins because we'll be looking at it in a different way. We'll be trying to understand as hobbyists just why it looks the way it does, how it functions, what processes occur to keep it functioning. We'll see subtleties. We'll understand the external influences and the environmental pressures which man's placed on these fragile and priceless ecosystems. That old adage about people protecting what they love will take on greater significance. Embracing aquascapes as functional and aesthetic representations of the real aquatic habitats of the world will give us a greater appreciation for them and an even greater desire to protect them and share the challenges they face with those maybe not even familiar with our hobby. Truly a win for all. And as for you, the aquascaper, just wanting to do great work, have fun, and maybe share with others, where does this leave you? Leaves you in a position to bring beauty into the world in ways you never thought possible before in the hobby. And if you feel stuck, if you're thinking you need to make a change on that scape, you're thinking you need more wood, more leaves, or, or whatever, walk away for a bit. Let nature have at it. She'll do what's right, just as surly as the sun rises or the tide returns. When you work with nature, instead of trying to circumvent it, the results are never quite as bad. Learn this. Embrace this. I think you'll be a happier, more fulfilled aquascaper or aquarist as a result. Call it wabi-sabi or evolution or transience or whatever you want to call it. But embrace it. And savor your work, the experience, the process, the satisfaction. Listen to your own voice and interpret nature's lessons. Nobody else's. You got this. Stay passionate, stay hungry, stay open-minded, stay strong, stay creative, stay humble, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for stopping by and spending part of your day with us. I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.